Chapter 19 Now what? Tobias wondered. We got past the guard sharks. Now I guess we go take a look inside, Jake said. He didn't sound too enthusiastic about the idea. Two of the three big hatches are open, Rachel observed. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe? Heads or tails? I suggested. One potato, two potato? Cassie asked. What do all these things mean? Axe asked. These are highly advanced human methods for making choices, I said. How about the middle door? Middle door, Jake agreed. We swam toward the middle door. From a distance, it was big. Up close, it was even bigger. It was obviously big enough for the submarine to enter through. From the outside, the tunnel inside looked dark, but once away from the filtered green sunlight from above, we could see that there were lights on the inside of the tunnel. We swam around, taking our time and trying to look casual. The open door and short tunnel led to a rectangular pool, a boat dock, obviously, probably used by the submarine. There were other hammerheads there too, but still, they ignored us. I rose to the surface, letting my dorsal fin slice its way into the air. I rolled to one side and raised my left eye above the water. Shark eyes are not made for seeing through atmosphere, but I could still see well enough. I saw a wall of corrugated steel that formed the rectangular boat dock we were in. But other than that, I could only look straight up at the rafters overhead. We're not going to see much more staying in Shark Morph, Rachel said. We need to get out and look around. As what? Jake asked. We'd need something that fit in here. Something these controllers wouldn't notice. But something with decent senses. Flies! Cassie suggested. Everyone except Tobias has a fly morph. Oh great, I get left out again. Tobias complained. I think the bad guys might notice a red-tailed hawk flying around in their underwater facility, I said. Although, there are probably rats infesting this place too, so the controllers may appreciate you being here to eat their pests. We'd have to morph back to human underwater, Jake pointed out. Then morph to fly, all without drowning. What's that? An alarm! Oh man, they know we're here! Suddenly, a rush of hammerheads was coming straight for us. I saw them first as dark shadows in the water. They loomed larger and larger. We turned to face them. But it was impossible. There had to be fifty of them. On they came, whipping the water with their long tails. Then, they swam past. They kept swimming for the far end of the dock. And now we could distinctly hear the sound of a mechanized door opening. Those are definitely not normal sharks, Cassie said. Let's follow them, Rachel said. They may lead us to where we need to go. 
Yeah, or they might lead us right into where they make the new Oscar Mayer shark meat lunchables. I said, Hammerhead slices, American cheese, crackers, and a cookie. We went after the sharks. We followed them to the far end of the dock. A new door had opened. There was actually a line of sharks waiting to get in. The pathway narrowed till soon we were single file. I'm starting to think Marco is right, Tobias said. This sure feels like some kind of shark slaughterhouse. I don't think so, Cassie said. I'll bet this is something more medical. Besides, we'd smell blood if the other sharks were getting hurt. Unless they're getting boiled alive, I said. Boiled and canned in one process. Then it's chicken of the sea shark meat. Suddenly, I heard Cassie yell. Ah! She was right in front of me, and before I could react, I knew why she had yelled. Steel claws reached out from each side and grabbed me just behind my hammerhead. The claws held me tight, but not painfully. I was drawn upward till I was vertical. I was out of the water. My gills gasped in the air. My body writhed in panic. I saw a line of us, a conveyor belt of hammerhead sharks, all hanging vertically. There were human controllers and Hork-Bajir manning equipment boards and looking totally uninterested. We turned a corner into a second room and up rose a robot arm festooned with tools whose purpose I couldn't even guess. The robot arm arced toward the shark two spaces ahead of Cassie. From out of nowhere, a long, thick needle appeared. It plunged into the back of the shark's head. What the? We have to get out of here! I cried. But there was no time. The conveyor belt kept moving. Too fast! The robot arm moved with machine precision. It plunged the needle into the back of Cassie's head. It's okay. Cassie managed to gasp. I think it was just an immunization. Maybe. But what came next was not okay. The robot arm hesitated. It popped out a sort of metal detector or something and moved it over Cassie's shark head. Then it extruded a drill. Not like a dental drill, like a drill you'd use to make holes in wood. The drill bit spun, and it plunged. What was that? Cassie cried in alarm. The drill bit withdrew, but a bright steel probe lanced into the hole. In it poked, then withdrew. A wisp of smoke curled away from the hole as it was cauterized by a green laser beam. Cassie, are you okay? Jake yelled. Uh, yeah. I guess so. And then it was my turn. There was a sharp prick of pain, but sharks don't care about pain. The drill withdrew, and seconds later, I was dropped into salt water. In fact, I quickly realized I was back in the same boat dock I had been in before. There were other hammerheads all around me. My friends were being dropped practically on top of me. What was that about? Tobias asked. They injected us all with something, Cassie said. Right into our brains, but... Oh! Oh! Ah! It hit me a few seconds later. How can I describe the pain? You know how I said sharks don't care about pain? Well, this wasn't any pain any shark had endured. I felt my brain exploding, like some mad animal was trapped inside my head and trying to claw its way out. I screamed. Ah! Oh! Oh! Stop it! And then, through the water, a sound reverberated, like a...
The pain stopped. In its place came a wave of pleasure. It was like the taste of prey in my shark mouth. The ultimate shark pleasure. What is happening? Axe demanded. I don't know, but it's kind of nice. Then, the weirdest thing. I felt the shark mind, that simple killing machine mind, seemed to open up. The shark mind looked out through its eyes, and for the first time ever, noticed things that had nothing to do with finding prey. The shark eyes noticed the pattern of corrugated steel that formed the dock. The shark's sense of smell took note of scents like oil and rust and seaweed that had nothing to do with killing and eating. This sounds insane, I said, but I think the shark is getting smarter. Like the sharks that attacked us, Rachel agreed. My shark brain just wondered, Cassie said, sounding amazed. It wondered whether there would be prey later. That sounds shark-like, Jake said. No! Cassie yelled excitedly. Sharks don't wonder. Sharks can't even form the concept of a future, let alone wonder about it. It's completely impossible. So what does it mean? Tobias asked. Cassie answered. It's the Yurks. They've altered these brains. That's why the sharks were able to work together the other time. The Yurks are mutating these shark brains. We just got the first treatment. Why? Rachel wondered. Axe said, There is only one reason to alter the physiology of these brains. To make it possible for the Yurks to enter them. The natural shark brain is too small, too simplistic for the Yurks to control. They are mutating these sharks to make them capable of being made into controllers. They will need to add ear canals as well, so that the Yurks can enter and leave the brain. A new version of hork I said. That's it! The Yurks want water-going hork They need dangerous, tough, deadly shock shoots that can go where hork can't. In the water! What better soldier than a shark controller if you need troops in an underwater environment? Yes, Tobias agreed grimly. And what worse nightmare for any peaceful species to face? Chapter 20 We have to find out more, Jake said. It's time to get out of the water and go look around in this place. It was going to be hard and dangerous. We had to return to human form, then morph again, all in the water, all without being seen or drowning. I was relieved to be getting out of the shark morph. I hated sharks, I decided. I didn't want to be one anymore, let alone a sort of super self-aware thinking shark. I was happy when my legs reappeared, when my fins became hands, when my teeth ground and itched away and became the tiny, blunt, pitifully weak human teeth but I knew I'd never hold my breath clear into a new morph. I poked my head above the surface and looked around with human eyes for the first time. The others popped up nearby. Tobias looked like a drowned rat. He stood on Rachel's head. There was a dark ceiling high overhead, and I could hear machinery, but I saw no humans or hork or taxon standing around the dock. Maybe they were all busy back in the office room we'd seen through the portholes. Looks kind of empty, I whispered to Jake. Yeah, we'd better be careful, though. Morph here in the water. It won't be any problem for the fly, I don't think. He was right. 
The water didn't bother the flymorph. Something else did. I focused on the fly DNA within me, and I began to shrink. I had done the flymorph several times before, so I was prepared for the way the spiky legs grew out of my chest. The way all my internal organs melted away, replaced by simpler insect organs. The way my mouth and nose sprouted out to become a horrible long proboscis. I was in the water, breathing air from a bubble when it began. I realized my head was exploding. And that was not just an expression. Ah! Ah! I screamed. My head was still maybe two inches wide, almost entirely fly, with only a few shreds of human left. But I stopped the morph instantly. I stared around me with eyes more fly than human. The watery world was a shattered mirror of images. The fly's compound eyes saw with a thousand tiny, irregular, bewildering TV sets, each tuned to a slightly different channel. And because we were underwater, I saw even less than usual. But then, by luck, Rachel drifted near, just within range. Seeing a morph is always horrifying. I mean, we get used to it, but it never stops being creepy beyond belief. And nothing is creepier than watching a human being turn into a fly. Trust me, that is enough fuel to keep you in nightmares the rest of your life. But what I had just seen, floating past me in the water, was worse. Everyone, stop morphing! Stop now! I yelled, just as the others all started groaning in agony. What is this? Axe asked. I am experiencing a terrible pain. I'm not surprised. Demorph! They put something in us. What are you talking about? Rachel asked. I mean, when the yurts drilled into us, they left something inside. When we shrank to fly size, this thing, whatever it is, was too big. Our fly bodies were smaller than the thing inside us. We'd have killed ourselves. What did it look like? Tobias asked. I surfaced again, human once more. I couldn't tell. I just saw Rachel's head being all twisted and bulging from trying to shrink with this thing inside it. Some kind of control device, Jake said. I should have realized. That's why we got drilled when the other sharks didn't. We didn't have the control device in our heads. The Yurks are using it to control the sharks until all the treatments are done. That's what caused that surge of pleasure, Tobias said. The Yurks use that feeling to keep the sharks happy, to summon them and control them. Make them forget the pain of the brain mutation. It's tied to the underwater sound they broadcast. So what do we do? I asked. We get these things out of our heads, Rachel yelled. We have to stomp every yerk in this facility. Oh, good. The subtle approach, I sneered. Rachel may be right, Jake said. We can't have this, period. We cannot have yerk control devices in our heads. We're underwater with implants in our brains, and psychic Lyran aliens running around. This is seriously not cool. There may be hundreds of controllers here, I pointed out. We can't just get crazy and get away with it. No, Jake agreed. But we need a distraction. Two teams. One to get to the controls of this place. The other two, as Marco said, get crazy and keep the Yurks busy. Axe, Marco, and Tobias, in the first group. Rachel, Cassie, and me to cause a distraction. Finally, we get to do something. That was Rachel, of course. Chapter 21
Me, Axe, and Tobias. We couldn't morph anything small with the yurt control devices still implanted in our heads. Not bugs, anyway. So how are we supposed to go wandering around the underwater facility without being noticed? I think someone might notice a pair of wolves running around, I said. We need to go airborne. The birdheads are obviously big enough to allow for the control ships. After all, Tobias returned to his normal hawk body okay. Besides, people have a tendency not to look up. A few minutes later, I was an osprey morph. Axe was a northern harrier. Tobias was Tobias. And we were all wet. A wet bird is not a happy bird, I can tell you that. We flapped, unseen, up to the roof of the facility. It was made of open steel beams. You know, like the inside of a Toys R Us store. There was a slight curvature to the roof, probably to help carry the load of water pressure. From up near the ceiling, we could perch and look down at the entire facility. There were three identical dock slips like the one we'd been in. One housed the transparent sub. There was no one aboard but a couple of taxons doing maintenance work. We saw two buildings separated from each other by the center dock. The buildings were identical windowless rectangles, painted white, like warehouses. There were other, smaller buildings all around as well, the kinds of buildings they use as temporary classrooms. Big mistake, Tobias pointed out. No windows. I guess it never occurred to them that they might want to be able to see around inside this place. The only windows look out into the water. They aren't expecting enemies in here. No one is supposed to make it past the sharks, Axe said. Whatever is happening is happening inside those buildings, Tobias said. So which one do we go for, left or right? The one on the right, I said instantly. Why? I couldn't tell them that was the building that connected to the big porthole with the grand but empty office behind it. The office I was sure was my mother's. Because Jake will attack the other one, I said. And we can't be wherever he and the others are causing trouble. Fine. Next question. How do we get inside? With incredible timing, that's how, I said. As we watched, a taxon came writhing and shimmying out through the one door. Its side scraped as it pushed through. Next taxon to come out, we go in, I said. What if another taxon doesn't come out? Axe wondered. Don't you Andalites believe in luck? No. Me neither. How about hope? We believe in hope. Good. Now me, I believe in Jake. See him over behind the left building? The tiger? I think he's just about ready to... Do that. The roar was the roar of a tiger, a noise that could make adults want to crawl in bed with their teddy bears and pull the blankets over their heads. The effect on the taxon in the doorway was instantaneous. He decided to back up. Oh man, okay, we go now, I said. I released my talon grip on the steel crossbeams, swept my wings back to gain speed, aimed for that doorway, opened my wings, adjusted my tail, and blew just over the taxon's heaving, squirming back at about 50 miles an hour. Yaha! Oh man, that's still fun. A harrier and a red-tailed hawk were milliseconds behind me. Past the distracted taxon without being seen, 
through the doorway, way too fast. A long hallway, the end of the long hallway, coming up way, way, way too fast. Look out! Turn! Tobias yelled. Where? Doorway, now! Tobias practically screamed. I banked my wings and shot through an open side door, scraping my back and my right wing on the door jam. A room, a desk, a chair, walls, walls, walls! I flared to kill my speed, but not enough. Left! Tobias yelled. I banked an amazingly sharp left and flew through a second doorway into an almost totally dark room. I was no longer going 50 miles an hour. I was probably only doing about 15. But let me tell you, flying at 15 miles an hour in a dark room where you can't see the walls is slightly too exciting. Tight circle, Tobias said. Tighter, spiral down, get ready to land. Axe had hit the desk. Tobias had hit the floor. I had hit a metal trash can and gone rolling inside it. Everyone okay? I asked. I have damaged my bird body, Axe said calmly. But I am alive. Me too, I said, testing a painful tail. I think I broke my tail. Good grief. This is the last time I ever fly through a building with you two amateurs, Tobias said. Okay, let's demorph, I said. There's no one around, and Axe and I aren't going to be able to fly until we remorph. With my excellent Osprey hearing, I could make out the sounds of damage and destruction coming from somewhere outside. What do you think Rachel morphed? Tobias asked. Elephant or bear? She'd do them both at the same time if she could figure out how, I muttered. I demorphed as quickly as I could. We'd done a lot of morphing in a very short period of time. I was getting tired. But still, within a few minutes, it was me as human. Tobias morphed into his human shape and acts as his own Andalite self. You know, sometimes there's a very fine line between us and the Three Stooges, I said. What are Stooges? Axe asked. A stooge is a guy stupid enough to run around inside a York stronghold wearing a pair of bike shorts and accompanied by a deer man from outer space and a mouse-eating bird boy. That's a stooge. I led the way from the darkened room. Axe came behind, tail at the ready. Tobias walked awkwardly at the rear. He's still getting used to being able to be human again. I can't believe I lived most of my life with these lame human eyes, he grumbled. You people are blind. Shh. I crept out into a brightly lit hallway. I took a second to try and figure out which direction to go. At the end of the hallway was a door, different from the others. On it was a gold symbol of some kind, like a presidential seal. That way. Axe, if anyone pops out of any of these doors... I let it hang. Axe knew what to do. He twirled the bladed end of his tail... Limbering it up, I guess. We scurried down the hallway. I reached for the door handle. I opened it. Come in, a voice said. I froze there. My head poking through the open door. My friends were hidden behind me. I said 
Come in, a sinister voice said. Never make me give an order twice. You won't live to hear me give it a third time. So I stepped through the doorway, closing it quickly behind me, blocking Axe and Tobias from view. And I walked on wooden, rickety legs to the big desk in the center of the room. I walked over and stood there, facing her, facing my mother. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, sorry if you hear some background noise. I'll try to scrub this out, but uh, I got two fans going on right now because it's very hot. Uh, and I suffered a lot recording this week because I turned off those fans and I closed my window to make sure I could give you the optimal audio experience with as little uh, background noise as possible. Um, and I sweated a lot doing that, so I just wanted to let everyone know that I suffer for my art. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, not too much up here. Uh, the protests are still going on. I've, I've said what I had to say about them. I'm going to continue putting links for uh, various funds and networks that you can donate to if you choose to. Uh, in these episode descriptions, that's going to continue as long as these protests continue. Um, and I hope that you'll support them, but uh, I can't make you, so. Uh, if you enjoyed this and you want to see some other stuff I do, I have a website, theapocalypse.com. That's The Apocalypse. It's like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts and you feel like it, leave me a rating review. I love to hear how I'm doing. It's nice. It's always nice to hear from people, you know? Uh, and if you'd like to reach me without leaving a review, for whatever reason, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Alright, I'm gonna go lie down and try not to sweat anymore. So, uh, thanks for listening, and I will see y'all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.